Hey, BizCast fans, it's Nathan here. Don't forget to register for this year's Breakfast with the Best event coming up on September 21st in downtown Manchester. It's going to be a great event. We're celebrating our best companies to work for as recognized in the September issue of Business NH Magazine. We'll have Culture Fest 2023, panels of experts, and great breakfast. Don't forget to join us. More at businessnhmagazine.com slash events. From leading one of New Hampshire's fastest-growing companies, ranking on the Inc. 5000, no less, to buying a 90-year-old florist shop in Nashua, we talked to today's guest about her path to self-discovery that led to her becoming a business owner. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. Uh, Matt, this is this is fun. Um, I'm loving, you know, we, lately, we've just talked to a lot of folks who are buying businesses, uh, similar to our situation, as it were, um, that have been around for a while. Um, and Amber and her company have a good 50 years on us at BNH. Um, but I'm just really, I'm psyched to sort of, you know, hear of, uh, continue to hear of other people's journey um, and their vision for the establishment and all that, especially in Nashua, which is like having its own, um, I don't want to say renaissance, but it's just coming into oh, its no, own absolutely. again. This is my old stomping grounds. <clears throat> yeah, I mine up, too. I grew up in Merrimack, went to Bishop Girton High School in Nashua. Right, that's right, yeah. My grandparents were in Nashua. So I, I remember Nashua back in the 80s. Mm. When Main Street was a ghost town. Oh, my God. You know, you had Alex's Shoe Store, and yep. that was about it. You yep. know, like, um, it, it, my grandparents used to tell me about, you know, back in their day when it was a <laughs> bustling, you know, Main Street. And I'm like, are you sure we're talking about the same place? And yet, <laughs> you go back now, and there's so much vibrancy to Nashua. Um, they have just done a fantastic job of creating that Main Street experience with wonderful restaurants oh and my shops. Gosh. It's and, just a... You know, it, you, it's back to my grandparents' vision yeah. of what they used to know Nashua exactly. as. Like, I was there in the early 2000s, right? And so there was a little bit of, you know, some stuff going on here and there, but it wasn't quite, obviously, where it is now. But um, yeah, it's uh, kind of... Well, have a little love for Nashua. Fantastic. See, that. <laughs> Nashua, one of our biggest cities in the state, finally has its own art center. Oh, um, and man, to see I'm that so open, you know, that's just another huge step forward for a community when, right. and brings another level of vibrancy um, to it. So, yeah, no, I think it's exciting um, to see Nashua where it is. It's exciting when a, a well-respected business uh, like Fort Engage that's been around for almost a century has a new owner and new life come to it. Um, so lots of for us to unpack here Woo, today. Yeah. Let's, um, you know what? Let's, Let's just get to it. Dive right in. Our guest this week is Amber Morgan. She is a serial entrepreneur, consultant, Nashua native, and the newest owner of the 92-year-old Fort Engage flower and gift shop in Nashua. As an active community member, Amber has been nominated as Young Professional of the Year by the Greater Nashua Chamber of Commerce two times, received Diversity Workplace of the Year, and most recently, Community Volunteer from the Chamber as well. Amber moved to Las Vegas to attend UNLV, but returned to Nashua in 2013 and immediately immersed 
herself in the community. She has served on various committees and boards, is the chair of the Animal Dog Park Advisory Committee in Nashua, and is currently developing a nonprofit that will assist municipalities in creating more dog-friendly cities, including bringing the first public dog park to Nashua, New Hampshire. She resides in Nashua, an historic home built in 1830 with her husband Cole and her Malinois, Apollo. Well, welcome, Amber. Thank you for having me. We um, packed a lot into that bio, but it was uh, it was all necessary, and we're going to continue to unpack you and everything that you're excited about, involved in, uh, and have done and will do, for that matter. So what I left out of your bio on purpose uh, was the story of your work here in New Hampshire before Fort Engage and that decision to uh, control your own destiny, as I believe you were quoted at one point in that work. Can you tell our listeners a bit about your work experience here in New Hampshire before Fort Engage and how at Fort Engage you went from employee to owner. Absolutely. It's a it's a pleasure. And quick rewind there. Shout out yeah. to Nashua. You know? Like, Go Nashua. Really excited. So, Old Nash bag. Is that a thing? I, we used to call it that. We oh, had all really? these nicknames for Yeah. Yeah. Well <laughs> I think that was you and your crew. No, they well they called it they called it a lot of things. Trashua was unfortunately yeah, one of yep, them. Yep. But we don't call it that. No, it's we're moved on. We're moved yeah. on. We're moved we're done. up. We're done. We're we're excited. We're moving forward. Yes, I was we born. Are. I am a Nashville native. Really? Uh so like a boomerang. Um, you know, I, I came back. This and, is what and happens here we are. to people from New Hampshire. So we always come back. Let's talk do. about where that boomerang took you though it took you all the way across the country to it las did. vegas so can you talk about how you end up from nashville to las vegas and there were some really key pivotal roles that you had there that i think helped kind of shape the trajectory right yeah for sure so i knew uh, i was in my like halfway through my first year at riv and i knew nashua or new hampshire was the kind of place you live forever where you move and come back and I had the opportunity and I was like, well, oh, I should just, I should just go. So I did. I went, um, I was very fortunate. I had family that lived there. Um, they said, we have a place for you to stay. Uh, you can work with us for a while. It was great. So did that, took, you know, took the, took the opportunity and went. And while I was there, it was just shy of 10 years I got to experience things and meet people and go places that I flat out never would have been able to do here. Um, And what Matt was alluding to is part of that was I worked at a dating service, like a real actual one before like internet dating was like crazy big ordeal. Like if uh, Chuck Woolery did, Uh he was like the main sponsor for a long time. It was called Great (laughs) Expectations. Uh, everyone's seen the SNL skits for it. Like it, it was legit. It was a real place. We had VCRs. Like it was really fun. Yeah, with videos. <laughs> People so, making their tapes and their popping tapes. them in. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh my god. And I we love had this. a quote-unquote dating library that was literally a library of books and binders of members, and then you would pick the coordinating videotape and go and fast forward to the video where they were. Oh my god. Yeah. So that was um, that was the job that my family had for me, right? So that was, but it was fun. It was crazy experience. Um, you know, you're 19, 20 years old. Like, mm-hmm. what did I know about love? I didn't know anything, right? I was just like, I'm just doing a job. Like, I'm doing what I'm told here. Yeah. So, but it was amazing. It was really fun and um, ended up becoming uh, the trainer and for the company, for our customer service experience and events and what that 
part looked like and spent a month in Pittsburgh, some time in DC, some time in California, traveling to the different, our different locations. And uh, so that was fun. That was really cool. And then after that, I found myself um, with my significant other at the time, um, the business manager of a custom car shop. So I started one month before the market collapse in what year was that? Oh, 08. Oh, 08. Yeah. Like literally one month before. And if you remember anything about the market collapse, like Vegas got hit the hardest. Mm. So our clientele, it's a luxury item. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, custom cars are high end. They're high ticket. And all of the people that wanted those happened to be in the construction field and construction halted. And so like (laughs) one month in, like, what did I get myself into? Like we lost 90% of our income in one month. It was insane. So good news, business is still around today. They're celebrating like 15-ish years or something like that um, and steered through literally the toughest time probably of any of our lives, Mm. right, that we've been through minus COVID. Yeah. Which Um, must have been a rich learning experience. I mean, because obviously you came on board thinking, oh, you know, this is a thriving business. I can learn a lot there. I'm going to answer phones and put in like QuickBooks stuff. No. And then you find yourself like... In, yeah. in this business that's in survival mode. What did, what were some key lessons you learned from that? Um, key lessons that I learned was everything, and I mean everything, is negotiable. Um, literally true. everything. Like it's true. You're, you owe money on sales tax, and you didn't pay that a couple times because you had to choose to pay your employees over mm. the sales tax. You can negotiate how you repay that. And like you have to pay it. No one's gonna say, "Oh, we'll let you go. Right. Don't worry about it." <laughs> but, the state's always gonna be like, "No, you, yeah, you're gonna find a way." Yeah, but, we need that. But, Thank you. But we we were yeah. It was so that was one. Everything is negotiable. Number two, transparency is everything. You have to be absolutely transparent with your customers on where you are, with your employees on where you are, and with yourself. Like you cannot spin stories that aren't real just to trick yourself into like coming into work every day. Like <laughs> today's going to, <laughs> let's just say today's going to blow, right? Okay. That's what it is. Great. So you just go in with the expectation we're going to get through today, whether it's you're telling yourself that you're having your morning meeting and you get through that. But we came together as, as a team and just figured it out. Mm. Um, so those are some of the key takeaways. If I Paint it with a nice brush stroke. And mm. then you were in your 20s at this time, correct? Yeah. Oh, and yep. so then you have the audacity to go, ah, you know what? I'm in Vegas. I can start my own talent slash model yes. business. Talk about that. So what, what made you go, I can do that? It was, uh, again, coming out of like this financial crisis, right? Mm-hmm. And um, as, a, as a business owner, you're, you're not paying yourself. You're paying your employees first, and then you get maybe five, ten dollars left over. You're like, cool, I can get like <laughs> a happy meal this week. This is great, yeah. you know, um, with the toy because you needed a prize. Like yeah. you got through it. Um, but <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. Some of our vendors, uh, they still had trade shows and they were struggling to make sales. So they doubled down on marketing and they came to convention centers. We've all been to a million conventions. Um, and they didn't necessarily, they wanted to talk about their product. They didn't want to put on the face and do all of the chit chat that you have to do to get the pull the people into the uh, booth to talk. Sure. So they could hire, 
there's a million talent agencies in Vegas that you can hire. Uh, literally just someone to stand there, look pretty, yeah. scan a badge, collect information, hand out water, hand out candy, move on, right? So they wanted a little bit more than that. They wanted somebody that knew the product and still had the personality and still you know, would attract people in, like, let's be real, it's Vegas, so it's based on looks. Right, um, And <laughs> so I said, sure, that sounds like fun. I mean, let's be honest, I really just needed, like, the extra check that week. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll do it, 100%. Um, and so after that first event, they said, wow, this is actually really great. Our results were better than we thought. Our employees were happy because they didn't have to be the first line of defense. Mm. Um, do you have any friends that could do it? <laughs> and I was like, oh. I think so. I think I have friends. Hold on. Uh, and <laughs> Let me so, check. Um, it turned Let into an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, being in your early 20s in Vegas, like, it was easy, right? You're, there was a lot of, when you're in your early 20s, you're really pretty for the most part. Like, you're kind of like, just, I everyone's really just nice. I was really pretty in my early yeah, 20s, too. You yeah. totally were. Yeah. yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and so we, we did it. And I just started um, a company. It's called Dapper Dolls. Really fun there. I love you didn't see it, but she rolled her I, eyes I at that moment. <laughs> I did because it was just I love alliteration. It's yeah, kind of perfect. I was like, they're they're dapper. They're you know, and they're dolls. And they're dolls, and it was great. And so that was fun. We um, took on a I took on a few more clients. It was all just through opportunity, and ended up going. I had a team that ended up going to super crosses. They, I did a two-week um, birdhouse skateboard tour. Like, literally, got paid to travel around the country with like Tony Hawk for like two weeks. Like, wow, that's, that's fun, right? Yeah. Again, opportunities I never would have had. Right. Had I stayed just in New Hampshire, and it was amazing. It was really fun. And, and what was going on in your own head? I mean, because there's yeah. not a lot of twenty-year-olds that start their own business. Never mind one that is successful and gets yeah. them hanging out with Tony Hawk. Yeah. Like, how were you handling that in your twenties? Going. I'm doing that. I I was just doing it because at that point I needed to do it to survive. Yeah. But I also got to have fun. And and that was enough. And it was um I was helping my friends make money. I was making money. We were having fun. We were getting it done. And you also had a little reprieve from like the day-to-day seriousness of oh crap, like how are we going to pay x y and z, mm-hmm. right? Um and because that that crash, that market crash, it, it took a couple years to really get out of there. You right. know, it wasn't until maybe the third or fourth year that people were able to lean back and be like, okay, we can breathe now. Um, and so I didn't really think about it other than this as fun. Like I wasn't <laughs> looking towards the future. Right. 20s. Yeah. Yeah, right. Just it. having fun. That's it. But I did continuously get asked, oh, where are you from? Why did you move to Vegas? All the time. Mm-hmm. And I said what I started at the beginning of this story with, I said to every single person who asked, well, New Hampshire is the kind of place you live forever or you move and come back. Mm-hmm. I was saying it to a customer and something caught in my voice. And I like paused and I choked and I said, or you move and come back. And it was that moment. I was like, oh. it's, it's time. Like it's cool. It's time. And my best friend was having, it was my first friend having a kid. And I was like, I'll be fine. And then I came out, she had the baby, held the baby in my arms. I was like, oh, crap. Like, I can't go through my whole life without this kid not knowing who I am. Like, this is my best friend of 20 years. And so then um, fast forward six months later, mm. 
it's moving back. I said, hey, I got to live with you for a few months. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> like you and your Leverage that six, relationship. Month, six month old child. Is it okay if I just live with you for a few months? Uh, yeah, it was the answer. It was, of course, what do you need? And um, and so that was 2013. Uh, and it, it was... It was Nice summary of the whole story, but yeah. um, but it really was. It was time to come back, wow. and I hope that everybody has that has that experience and that desire to return home. Mm. But you came back and came back in a, a big way. Lots of people come back and don't end up leading an organization that ends up on the Inc. Five Thousand on B and H's top one hundred private companies list as the fastest growing uh, for more than one year. So, can you talk about the company? how you end up at the company you were at and then ended up in the leadership role there. Yeah, that was, I still, you all look back at that highlight reel, right? Mm. That goes in our life and like business and things that you look at when you're having a bad day. You're like, yeah, yeah I really am a badass. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, look at me go. So that's it. And like that time and everything you just said was, those were the highlights. Um, but when I first started, it was, I was just hired as an assistant. And can you talk about what the type of company? Yeah. So at the time, we were um, just a wholesale distribution company for personal electronics. So what that means is at the time, it was mostly just cell phones and like tablets. Mm -hmm. And they're just resellers, right? You know, people buy opportunities, sell at a little bit higher price. And we were primarily just shipping uh, to Dubai and Hong Kong, long story short, the free trade ports. And go out from the world from there. Mm. Um, and we did about 20% e-commerce. So it was 80% wholesale, 20% e-commerce. And I was brought in to be the assistant to the purchasing and sales director. And um, they were also very young people who owned the building or owned the business. They were in their, both gentlemen were in their early 20s. And we're going through kind of that 20-year-old renaissance that we just talked about that I had, right? And, like, I've been there. Yeah. And so I don't. Even, I was transferring, this is a literal actual story, transferring data from his old BlackBerry to his new BlackBerry because that's how everyone communicated was mm-hmm. through BlackBerry Messenger. Yeah. And I turned around and looked at him. I said, you know, I'm capable of a lot more than this. Like, this is not what you're paying me for. <laughs> And uh, and that was the beginning of our like honest you know relationship there, and ended up um, within one year like great you're taking over operations please, and flipped the business in two years we flipped it from uh, the eighty percent wholesale twenty percent e commerce to the other way around so we were doing eighty percent e commerce. 20% wholesale, which gave us that day-to-day cash flow that we needed. Yeah. It gave us immense purchasing power all year round. And we ended up becoming um, the fastest, or sorry, the number one selling item on Groupon. Uh, <laughs> one of the biggest listings on Amazon. We ended up having three Amazon stores, two eBay stores. We were in Groupon, HSN. Um, I don't even remember all the rest. And we put in the numbers submitted to Business New Hampshire magazine because Hollis McGuire, who's a part of the SBDC, mm-hmm. goddess, living goddess. Badass. She's... You yes. can say it. She's, She's just, a badass. She is. She is. <laughs> and she said, oh, you guys should apply for this. And we're like, okay. So put it in. She's like, oh, you should also do you know, Inc. 5,000. We're like, okay. So we put in the numbers and it came back. We're like, oh my God, 
we actually like, we got it. And we started to think about it and look at the numbers and looked Mm -hmm. at the trade magazine that came out from Business New Hampshire talking about exports. And we did the quick math on New Hampshire's exports. And we figured out that to the different destinations, we were 20% of the total number of exports uh, for the state of New Hampshire that was going to, whether it was Dubai or, or Hong Kong. And we were like, God, that's just from our little tiny company. We mm-hmm. had 13 employees. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. But it was. And we didn't realize that because for us, it was just day to day. So we built a customer service department. We had to build a returns department, receiving, shipping, all these things that when I first started weren't there. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. It was great to see how that transpired, how it happened. But we had to rely heavily on our community because in ways that we didn't expect, like working with UPS and FedEx, mm-hmm. that required, back to the transparency, we had to be crystal clear what we were doing, what our growth was, what our peak days were, mm-hmm. and what our expectations were. And they had the same with us. They were like, listen, you have five trucks coming, like five UPS trucks full, just for you. Wow. So here's what that requires from us. <laughs> and here's where we need your expectations to be a little less. And, and it was great. It was because of those relationships, because we had the relationships over transaction, that we were able to really make moves. Um, one of my favorite parts of that were we were having a lot of trouble staffing. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't assembly work, but kind of. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was QC work unused products like how do you it's tricky no one just knows how to do that so we had to train people Um, but we also had a really low margin and so we worked with a bunch of staffing agencies some were great some just ran out of people and then finally we had one she's going through the list with me and goes okay so you need them to have um high school diploma, you need them to speak English, you need them to lift over 50 pounds. I reached across the table and said, can I see that? Sure. I took it, I ripped it, and I threw it out. I said, I don't need any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I literally don't need any of that. So what I need is someone who's going to show up every day, who's going to do their job. And if you have a bunch of people who English is not their first language, I don't care as long as you have one person that is. And let's pay them more to be a translator. I don't care if they can't lift 50 pounds. I have 20 other people in the warehouse that can lift it. Mm. Like, why are we putting that restriction? And as far as, I was like, the high school diploma, you don't need a high school diploma to count and sort things. I was like, I just need them to be a good person. I can teach them how to do anything else in the job. That's it. And it was at that moment that our staffing completely changed. The word spread through a small, tight-knit community. Mm. Friends of friends were coming in. It ended up being almost all women from a community within the Tree Streets in Nashua. They were like, hey, I'm working at this place, and they're really nice to us. Oh, imagine like, that. That's it. That's the They're that's kind. The thing. They're nice. They pay us on time. They treat us well. We get a break. We can sit down. Like... And that was it. And that completely changed it for us. Now, unfortunately, because the owners, there was a couple things logistics-wise and Mm -hmm. size-wise where 
I hope New Hampshire figures out how to have more space available that makes sense for e-commerce buildings, because mm-hmm. we still don't have that mm-hmm. um, from an industrial park standpoint. It's all very much made for massive distribution with 18, 18 wheelers, when that's not really what you need. Um, so they moved to the company had to move to New Jersey and broke my heart. But I said, fine, I'll help you. I'm not moving. Like New Hampshire's it. I'm not moving to New Jersey. (laughs) I made this track. I'm staying here. But I'll help you close down the company uh, here. But we're going to do it my way. And what that meant was we were not letting a single person go, even the staffing agencies. I wouldn't let anyone go until every single person had a place to call home. We did offer relocation. I think two people took the opportunity. But the rest, we either helped write their resume, we made introductions, I made personal outreaches, we brought in staffing agencies. So every single person had a place to go before they received their last paycheck. Man, I am loving this. And I think we should keep going on this trajectory, as it were, uh, because you're telling the story as you know it, and it's working out really well, and we're loving it. So um, we're seeing your leadership style come through, who you are as a human being, who you are as a leader has been, you know, you're not doing BlackBerry data transfers anymore. You're you're rocking, and it's working. Um, so the company is, is uh, essentially packed up, moved to New Jersey. Um, what does that mean for you, though? That was a great question. And while I think everybody goes through this, I never wished on anyone. I floundered. I was a fish out of water. I was at a young professionals uh, event and everyone was talking about, oh, what do you do? What do you do? What are you excited about? And for the first time, I had nothing to say. And I had to dismiss myself. I had to go to the bathroom and catch my breath because I didn't have, I wasn't someone anymore. Mm-hmm. You, can, no, you can't see this, but I did air quotes. I wasn't someone of, of um, substance anymore. I was just me. And who am I without work? And so then I spent the next couple of years really figuring that out. Like that was, that was a rough, um, it was a rough roller coaster. I did some consulting. You go back and what you know. So mm-hmm. I did consulting. It was great for logistics and operations. It wasn't satisfying. Like in a 90-degree warehouse in the middle of the summer, like, you know, playing with cardboard. <laughs> like, let's be real. That's yeah. not that's not the dream. No. Um, and then we went through COVID, and so that was another thing on top. I did have, for a short period of time, very short, it was like four or five months, I worked on a presidential campaign. Um, so that was fun. Yeah. And check that box. Right? Yeah, check the box. <laughs> I got to work from home. Like I was the scheduling logistics person moving them around the country, you know, wow. flights, whatever. Uh, so that was fun. Crazy learning experience. Highly recommend anyone <laughs> do that, but like get ready to not sleep and like it's stress mm. on a different level. Um, and then I had a, a friend of mine. I said, you know, I have a friend and you know who he is and he's not ready to retire yet. But maybe like five, ten years down the road, he would be. But he is looking for somebody to be the front and the face of the business just for, you know, a couple days a week, just part-time. You guys should really talk. And so I knew who who this was, and I said, sure, sounds good. But all I heard was, there's going to be a business coming up for sale. Like, it doesn't matter what else she said. <laughs> Filter it all out. I did. And I was like, interesting. So then I emailed and said, you know, let's get together. Sure, next week. So I had a week to sit there and go, okay, 
fast forward, do I want to buy this? Do I not? I didn't even know anything about the industry yet. It was the, you know, Fort Engage Flower Shop, which is a 90, um, actually August will be 93 years. So a beloved pillar of the community, like same place forever. I took a retail florist class. Shout out to Alvern and Hudson. Like I took a <laughs> class, and but that was it. That was the extent of like my floral experience. Yeah. Um. So we met, talked through a bunch of things. Just how is business? What does it look like? What do you need from me? And it was a two-hour interview, the longest interview of my life. And I went home, and I told my husband we're going to buy a flower business, and he's like. So did you not get the job? Like, <laughs> Wait, back up. I thought what? you were going to interview for a part-time job. What are you talking about? Um, and but he was like, "Okay, great. What does that look like? Like, let's. What's your plan here? I guess let's call someone like that we know and trust <laughs> just to bounce your ideas off. Because like I was, you know, almost in this manic like state. Like I went from three years of no purpose to. I saw the bright lights at the end of the tunnel. I was like, mm. I found my purpose. We're going to do this. I can get back into the community. And what was it? You know, you've had your own business before, but not to the level that Correct. this was going to be. Correct. So what was it about that entrepreneurship possibility that really sparked in you that excitement and joy? That's an excellent question. And I wish I could pinpoint an exact and say this was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't a thing. It was all the things combined. Mm -hmm. It was the fact that I've always wanted a brick and mortar. I didn't know what the brick and mortar would be. I always wanted to be in, have a business in downtown Nashua. Again, didn't know what it would be. I just Mm -hmm. know I didn't want to do food because I don't like going home smelling like food. (laughs) Um, and I love this goes back to, uh, transportation and, Global logistics days. I loved cargo vans. I still do. To this day, love cargo vans. Like, you ever need somebody to drive one, borrow one, whatever? Like, I'm your girl. Um, And they had a cargo van. And it was the opportunity, and it was being a part in a meaningful way of the community. Mm -hmm. And it has two – it was really buying two businesses in one. There's a gift shop, Mm -hmm. and then there's the flower shop. And we get to be a part of people's lives Every single day and like really sometimes um, ways that their friends and family don't understand or Mm -hmm. don't have that little glimpse of to it's life's moments, right? It's life's moments told through flowers. Yeah. Birth to death to we just finished up prom for both Nashua schools. Oh my gosh. Like that is so fun. We get to see pictures of the dresses before the friends do, right? So... It was this really awesome, you're not going to believe this, but I'm actually an introvert. So it was this really great way for an introvert (laughs) to be a part of the community in such a big, quick way. I was like, I get these short five to 15 minute like hits of really deep. We don't have to talk about like the weather and all of that stuff I don't like talking about. So we get to have a deep, like meaningful transaction. And then I get to breathe and be like, okay, that's done. Next. <laughs> and then they're on their and way. And they are on I'll their way. And everyone's and, yeah. happy. Um, um, but what I love yeah. about this story of your journey is that you come home from this interaction and you're like, we're buying a business. Yeah. And the owner's like, I think I'm hiring someone part-time. Correct. I'm not ready to <laughs> retire. No Maybe this is something down the road. Right. Yeah, so no you're idea. so far ahead the road down that road than he is. So can you talk about why you end up taking this part-time job? And then- yeah. 
what was that like to work with someone who wasn't quite sure if he, when he might want to retire and you're going, but I want it now. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could like have his side of the story for you. Cause it's probably a little bit different, but, um, I sent him an offer letter. I sent him an offer letter a couple days after we met and I said, I want to buy your business in one year. And the reason is like, I can't afford to work as a part-time front desk, you know, order taker uh, for for a year. But I will take it as like an, a paid internship. I'll learn everything about the business for a year as much as I can. And then I want to buy the business from you. Um, and his counter was uh, three years, but we'll talk. So, okay, great. So in my head, because I never responded to the to the offer letter, I was like, we're still going to do a year. <laughs> I was like, that's cute. But like, I got a whole year to work on this. Look, I have a plan. <laughs> that's it. I got this. That's got it. This. And oh. so it took a little longer, but 18 months later, all set. Okay. I Ink's dry and I'm the new owner of Fort Engage Flowers. Wow. Oh my gosh. So that, I love that life journey. And um, I feel like we've learned so much about you already. Um, so to ask sort of a businessy question, um, what so far has been the toughest part about being a new owner, new owner of a 90, almost 93 year old business? What, you know, there's probably some wrinkles and complications and things. And so what's the, what's it been like so far? If anybody ever wants to buy a business, I fully recommend that year, working that year mm-hmm. in it made every single complication that I probably would have had so much easier. Wow. I knew the staff. I had worked with the staff for a year. They were comfortable. Saw the customers for a year. They were comfortable. Mm-hmm. So what I didn't realize, and I've just recently learned in the past couple months, um, is that your florist is kind of like your barber for people and that... If your florist, God forbid, retires, they panic and they're like, well, I have to find a new florist now. And so I've had a lot of reassuring conversations over the last six months <laughs> that our product is staying the same, the high quality mm-hmm. you've come to know and love. Our staff, we had 100% of our staff stay on board. Mm-hmm. Um, we've hired one new person since. So our staff has stayed the same. Like your florists are the same. The only thing that's different is we're going to change the logo in a lot of colors. But that's it. Like we're good. Yeah. <laughs> just the marketing. That's, that's it. it. Just the marketing. And that has been, that took a, people a little while to trust that their family moments are still going to be the as great as they have always been. Um that their relationships are going to still be honored, valued, and entrusted. And taking it from being grandma's favorite store, which it is, shout out to all the grandmas. Yeah, grandma. Uh, to granddaughter's favorite store is currently and is going to be my biggest challenge for the next five years. So working in the business the way you did, I mean, you had some time to kick the tires and you still <laughs> went through with it. So what was it that you found that you really loved about Fort Engage and its brand. And as now you're moving forward as the owner, what what are you looking at and towards its future and what are, what's kind of the mark you're going to be putting on it? Ask me again in five years 
Uh, I can't wait to answer. I'll RSVP yes Next five question. years from now. Um, we'll get that on the calendar. But it is, flowers are an affordable luxury. And no matter where the economy is, no matter where individuals are in life, a flower in the room, a fresh flower in the room changes and your mood. It changes the mood of people that receive it, that give it, that are around it. It makes a place of congregation. People naturally go and stand around the flowers. It's a great conversation piece. And so that is what we're focusing on. We're doubling down on community. We we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the community to hold us up for the past 93 years in many different ways whether it's people coming in, lending some help to paint walls, um, or actually buying flowers, making introductions to new places or new customers, to just coming in and saying hi. We have so many people that just were in the neighborhood and just, oh, just wanted to say hi, check in. Oh. How are you girls doing? I know it's a busy week for you. Here are some brownies. Like, oh, my God. Yes. It's great. Yes. And so that's back to your question. Like, I don't know what my mark's going to be, but I hope – that it is what has always mattered to me, which is being in service to your community. And no matter how you do that, in all ways, it needs to shine. And my community is both Nashua, Mm -hmm. but it's also our customers. It's also our employees. So leaving that mark, making sure everyone feels like they're included, they're loved, they're taken care of, and that their values, thoughts, that their loves are our loves, that their fears are our fears, and we stay together and we get through that, through flowers. Yeah. Um, we've learned a lot about you in the last half hour and um, more of your you know, uh, professional career and, and later in life. Um, who were you as a kid growing up? <laughs> uh, I loved picking flowers, like all the wild flowers. I really did. I would go and I'd pick them all, even lady slippers, which now Oops. you can pick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can. So okay, those okay. who don't know, lady slippers used to be like, we're back to being we're rare and you couldn't, yeah, I'm back yeah. to being a criminal now. Um, <laughs> but, so you couldn't pick them. It was illegal. Um, now you can, I guess they're not as rare. I don't know, but I used to pick all the flowers and bring them home and give them to my mom. And I, and I loved picking them out myself. I loved handing them to her. I loved that how happy she either was or pretended to be like I don't know because sometimes it was just dandelions you know and but I also really cared about those around me I one time brought a bunch of my stuffed animals to I don't even know what park it was it was some park that had a rec center nearby and the kids were there at a day program I wasn't in a day program and I just thought that maybe they'd want some of my stuffed animals. I don't know. Maybe I was trying to buy friends. I don't know what it was. But I don't remember why I did it. But I remember like gathering them all up and like putting them in a trash bag and like walking like half a mile to this place to hand out my stuffed animals. Um, I started a black white club. Hear me out in first grade. And you could only be in the club if you were wearing the colors black or white. And one girl came up and she was wearing, she was a brightly colored person. She had like red and yellow and orange and she was sad she couldn't be on our club. And so I was like, hmm. And I looked in the back of her shirt at her tag. I was like, oh, there's black and white on your tag. You're in. So like, that's who I was as a kid and still am today. Oh man, I love (laughs) that. Yeah. Oh, wow. So (laughs) two part question here. What's the best and worst advice you've received? And what is your advice you would give to others who are 
considering maybe their own entrepreneurial journey? I'm going to start with your second question and then go back to the first. So there is massive, massive opportunity right now in small businesses looking to change ownership. So shout out to all the millennials out there that are at that point where they're kind of floundering, not knowing what they want to do next, what the future holds. There's a lot of opportunity and it may not, don't look for it to be posted online. Don't look, don't wait. If there's something you're interested in, reach Mm. out, be the first, go knock on the door, walk in, ask them, hey, have you ever thought about selling or do what I did go work for them for a year and figure it out. Um, But there's a lot of opportunity and we're going to see a lot in the next couple of years of those businesses that we all love and trust that have been multi-generational maybe, mm-hmm. or the first, and the person did an amazing job for 30 years, they're selling. So do do your work, do your homework, connect with the SBDC, the SBA, because they're the ones that are going to tell you all of the hints and tricks on who's looking to sell, who might be, what might be a good fit for you. So do that. And for those who don't know that SBDC, Small Business Development Center, yes. and the SBA, the Small Business Administration. And they are free. They sure are. So. Yeah. Highlight, underscore, bold text, that one. Um, and then the best and worst advice. I don't know about the worst, but the best advice I ever got was never take advice from someone who's not in a position you wish to be in. And that goes for all aspects of life, whether it's business, personal, your car. You're not taking like advice from your dentist on your on your car. And you're not taking advice from your mechanic on your teeth, right? Like you find somebody who's doing business in a way that you want to do it. And that's who you go to for advice. It doesn't mean that other people are wrong. It just means you're finding what works for you and the style that you know and admire and want to do business like them. Love that. Cool. Oh, I figured out the worst. Oh, yeah. (sighs) Figured out the worst. Okay. So I, failure is not an option, is the worst advice I've ever heard, get, still mm-hmm. hear people. It makes me cringe mm-hmm. because sometimes you are going to fail. Oh, yeah. And that's okay. It's mm-hmm. what you do next that counts. And it doesn't mean that failure is not an option. I just, I hate that advice. There you I, go. I literally wrote that for a, a keynote that I have coming up. And it, because nice. that's the thing, like it, failure is not so much even the option is not even the right word. It's just inevitable. At some point you're going to fail and it's all about what you do after you fall down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, I have a question that's completely unrelated to um, most of this conversation so far, but um, there is a clear love or passion for dogs. And we talked about it in your bio a little bit. And um, were you always a dog person and where, you know, where does this love uh, come from? So I had cats growing up my whole Me life. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Now a dog person totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I made the I made the flip. So I was watching a documentary, um, not political, but it was about AOC mm-hmm. and her rise to how she came about and like it was a couple other women. It was actually a documentary about women in politics that were uh the underdog. And there was a phrase that she said in it, well, if not who, like, why not me? And they were also pointing out things within your community that you don't have to be a politician and change things in your community. Mm-hmm. You just have to be a person that cares. And and that was it. So I was walking my dogs through Mine Falls Park. Mm-hmm. 
and there's this big open field and somebody had their dog off leash and was running around. It was all happy. It was having a good time, the dog and the owner. And I realized Nashua didn't have a free, we do have a private, but we do not have a free dog park. I was like, that's strange. And so did a bunch of research about how it was the fastest growing private or like town community amenity. Mm -hmm. And fast forward, I wrote a letter to the mayor, an email, um, on behalf of the canine citizens. <laughs> and Representing. For the I citizens. did. And Good. I said, Good. I think it's a really great city. However, there's a large portion of our city citizens that are going unnoticed and uncared for and their needs are not met. I'm not even kidding you. Like, <laughs> really wrote this. And um, long story short, he's like, well, what do you want to do about it? I was like, oh, well, uh, good thing you asked because I did my research and we need to create an animal and dog park advisory committee that would oversee pet issues within the city, not just like dogs off leash or the barking dog next door at like 6 a.m. every single day, but it was animal waste is a huge problem in every single city, no matter what city you live in, um, but also surrenders, strays, all of that. Long story short, we there isn't one in the state, so we were the first one to, to be created. Um, so we meet monthly, and we talk about any issues uh, with the animal control officer. We meet with the Humane Society. So we talk about all those different things. And also, we are on the mission to get the first public dog park in Nashua. Shout out to all our surrounding towns that have one. Good job, guys. We're working on it. Um, and it is it is a little nuanced and complicated within Nashua for many reasons. We don't have to get into. Um, but the easiest answer for us to get one was to have the land leased to a nonprofit that would sure. manage mm-hmm. manage it, hence starting a nonprofit to fundraise and create and manage Nashua's Dog Park. Nice. Wow. I'm glad I asked that question. Thank you for that. And that just shows more of your, you know, who you are and your community involvement, your passion. So um, you're a mover and a shaker, Amber Morgan. And we were uh, so, so pleased to have you. Amber Morgan is the newest owner of Fort Engage Flower and Gift Shop in Nashua. It has really been a pleasure. Thanks for uh, sharing your story uh, with us and our listeners. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.